so scared. I don't want to believe it's true. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's April 22nd, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 193. This is No Agenda. Celebrating Earth Day and a nice dose of cap and trade. And coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower, Crackpot Command Center, and Gitmo Nation West. In the People's Republic of Southern California, eh, where they mowing the grass in the morning. I'm Adam Curry. And I'm wondering where the trains went. I'm up here in northern Silicon Valley. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. Trains? My trains. There's a train that goes by like... At, no, at 9.08. Yeah, 9.09 or 908. And there's another one that was supposed to go by. There's no trains. I don't know what the deal is. In the morning to you, John. In the morning to you. I think it's because of uh, atmospheric dust. <laughs> no, it's ash. Oh, there it goes. Volcanic ash. I didn't hear it. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, this mic's a little more directional. Hey, dude, you're not going to believe it, but I think I've done something uh, amazing here, and uh, it sounds like uh, you've never sounded better, actually, on the, on the, on the stream. Well, I, then I shouldn't have changed mic so we could do a better A B comparison. No, it's not just the mic. I mean, I'm I'm actually I'm hearing the uh, the quality being better. Oh, so you're not going through a cheap <laughs> oh. Macintosh laptop anymore? No, it is the it, well. It's a, you know, there's one thing we can ascertain: Macintosh laptops are not cheap. You can get a good Macintosh laptop for nine hundred ninety nine dollars. That's not cheap. You can get a, a compared a, a PC to twenty lap, years ago a PC laptop for three hundred dollars. Uh, it's junk. <laughs> so is the $900 Mac. <laughs> That's junk, too. No, I have a different router. Oh. Oh. Would you have to go buy one, or what happened? Uh, let, let's let's just leave it in the middle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's, I won't ask. Don't <laughs> ask, don't tell. It fell off the back of a truck. Don't ask, don't tell. Uh, okay, it's episode 193 of No Agenda. We're coming up on our uh, bicentennial, John. Yes, and we're going to have a special program. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, two hundred. Oh. We went. We were looking for two hundred dollar donations for our two hundredth episode, and we're going to call it the Deuce Club. And now this is a a special episode that will. Well, actually, what we're going to do? No, the two hundredth episode is going to be an episode, but then we're going to produce a third show uh, for our donors only. Just a special little thing, mostly a tribute to them for all donors. Well, I think the $200 donors would get the first shot at it, but I think all donors should probably listen. I mean, if they've been giving to us all along. I don't know. We'll talk about it. Hey, let's do a meeting. Yeah, finally, we're there. I don't anything but a meeting. <laughs> finally, we have to, the show has reached the level where we have to have a meeting about oh, something. Oh, God, let's not. Okay, well, I, I, <laughs> let's invite Eric. Let's invite Eric to the meeting, and let's have an agenda. And let's send it out beforehand, and then let's uh, let's send out meeting notes. Is that how you do it? I want to go shoot myself right now. <laughs> so let's talk about our executive producers for this week. Yes, please. We okay, have so uh, our executive producer is our old friend Dame Margaret. Oh, the Dame is back. Yeah, Dame Margaret George up there in uh, Clovis, New Mexico, or down there, I guess. So she's on her way to a second uh, Damehood, as it were. Well, she, I was uh, going back and forth with her about uh, do we need to make, when we make these rings, are there going to be a lady's ring? Or she, she says she's fine with a man's ring that she could wear as, like around her neck on a oh. chain, which is women do that. Maybe she, maybe she'd be pinky rings. 
<laughs> if it's a pinky ring, which, by the way, looks kind of like, you know, mafia-like on a guy. It would be with a big old military-style <laughs> ring, yeah. And the, yeah you can always wear it as a pinky ring. Yeah, if, if you got a big-ass pinky. Yeah, you can have it sized. Mm. Uh, and then we have the three uh, associate executive producers. Okay. Uh, ESC Inc. ESC Inc.? Yeah, ESC Inc. No note. Well, I think you may have sent a note in an email, but I have to go dig it up. Well, we'll it might be, might be kind of important for the... Uh... Yeah, it might be. Okay. But ESC Inc. 256. Simon Oxtaby in Queensland. Uh, and he wants a happy birthday to Dale, his father, who also listens to his show. Oh, we're going to we'll, do that during we'll the... We'll do that later. Yeah, okay. during the donations, yeah. And Edward... Uh, Birth, yeah. <laughs> Who? <laughs> you know, uh, these these Dutch guys keep uh, donating to get me to butcher their names. And, me, you know, me. I wouldn't be such a bad thing. Except half of the names are pronounced as though you're clearing your throat. So I mean, <laughs> Come on, you can try. <laughs> uh, I would call it uh, Berthusen. No, not even close. Well, what it Be- looks like. It's Beerthausen. Beerthausen. That's what. I, that's what I meant. Yes, Edward Beerthausen. Beerthausen. You know, I'm actually going to get the hang of this eventually. Then I'd like to uh, mention a couple of uh, PR initiatives. Um, first of all, right off the bat, Randy Asher has set up NoAgendaArt.com, which is very cool. Is this the entire archive of all No Agenda episode episodic art? It's going to be what it's going to be, I believe. Uh, I'm going back and forth with him. It's going to be that and a depository for people submitting art to be used. Right. Okay. Yeah, so it'll, be, it'll be a lot of art that's not used, a lot of art that's been used, uh, pretty much everything we can shove in there. Because we do need a single place instead of, you know, you're, you're doing everything at Drop.io or whatever the heck it is, but... That's insecure. I mean, at some point, if those guys went out of business or something, that stuff is, then we have to go dig up all the art again. So this would be something we control, which I think is better. We don't control it for shit. What? We don't control Asher's no site? it. Yeah, we don't control it. No, I know, but I'm saying somebody in the, in the organization controls it. <laughs> ah, invite Randy to the meeting. <laughs> He's in the organization. In the organization. Now. <laughs> the organization. <laughs> all right. A couple of uh, PR associate mentions, so not official PR associates, but very valiant tries. Adam Merkley was dragged to the golf course by a friend this past weekend. He hates golf. He sucks at golf. So what he did was he wrote in the morning on every single golf ball he used with a Sharpie. And, of course, uh, they're now in the lake and uh, and in the sand trap and all over the place. Not a bad idea to have uh, no agenda golf balls. I like that. Yeah, it's a pretty good idea. Um, we got a great picture from Adder1972, and I was looking at, at first I thought maybe this was uh, one of those fake pictures on the internet where you fill in your own text and it fills in the picture, but I think it's real. Uh, Adder1972 visited the rushing floating, the Russian floating base called Barneo at the North Pole, and he took a picture to prove it and sent us a greeting. And he says, regards from your northernmost listener. Um, so it looks real. I think it'd be cool to have in the morning or the noagendashow.com in, in yellow snow. snow. <laughs> yeah. Adder 1972, if you're still there, <laughs> please do this. Just don't let it break off. Skylar Visconti checked out our No Agenda Firefox personas and was uh, amazed by the suggested th- similar themes 
Are you ready for them? Sure. <laughs> the suggested themes along with the No Agenda Firefox persona are a picture of weed, uh, as in marijuana, Greenpeace, Peace, Save the Bees, Gay, p- <laughs> gay Pride, and Buddha. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Seems a bit off off topic, but okay. All right, I'm just saying. Craig Peters um, says he has an idea. Uh, you know, lots of listeners sign up for web hosting plans, and oftentimes you'll get fifty dollars of free AdWords with your hosting plan. Why not use that to promote uh, NoAgendaShow.com? Which I thought was I like a pretty, it. Yeah, pretty good idea. And then uh, our buddy Jim Lunsfeld uh, from over there at NoAgendaForums.com set up something fantastic. I'm not sure sure how long it's going to last. But for the for the meantime, it's great. The No Agenda Proxy at noagendaproxy.com. So you can use that to surf sites anonymously. Or you can get the show where you can't otherwise get it. Correct. Or you can get the show without being caught at work. Or Correct. you can go to Dvorak.org slash blog in China. Yes. Or you can go donate, go to the donation sites, Dvorak.org slash NA or Dvorak.org slash NAS, uh, and you, which are blocked in Russia. So I think that's a, a great initiative, and uh, I, you know, eventually I'm sure we'll get scanned out. But it's also great for kids at school who can't use uh, uh, outside sites, or, or I'm sure we're being filtered uh, uh, at many schools. I would hope. <laughs> no agenda proxy. <laughs> What's wrong with these people? <laughs> All right, so we want to thank our ex- uh, executive producer for today's episode, episode 193, Dame Margaret George, coming back to support us once again. We appreciate it highly. And, of course, our associate executive producers, ESC Inc., Simon Oxtaby, and Edvard Beerthausen. You all know exactly what you have to do. you got to go out. You've got to propagate the formula, which is simple. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Slave today, John. And let me By tell you. Way, we, but yeah. Before you go into that, I just want to mention we do have a Black Knight, Scott Rodriguez, yes, who, who will, will we'll, kick we'll off night. Later. Yeah, we're going right, to go ahead. I feel like you, a slave because the, of uh, the ash in the air. No, 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 no. I've discovered something pretty nasty going on with Homeland Security. Um, Mickey has a container arriving today. Hopefully, after the show, you never know with these guys. And. Uh, uh, you know, it costs a lot of money to fill up a 20-foot container and have it all packed up and uh, and shipped over here. And then she gets a uh, a call from the shipping agent over on this side earlier in the week. Well, your container's here, and as soon as it's out of uh, the CES, we'll send you the final bill, and uh, then we'll bring it out. And like, what? What do you mean, what final bill? Paid Paid for this thing to be packed, shipped, unpacked, everything. What are you talking about? Well... I had to look up all the regulations and all the laws, but here's how it works. Ever since uh, the Department of Homeland Security uh, has been uh, erected, of course, after 9-11, 95% of all shipping containers go through um, special scanning when they enter the port. And uh, the, here's how it works. The uh, your Homeland Security dollars are not used to do this. Oh, no, no, no. It goes to a commercial company 
a monopoly in most states. Uh, it's, uh, I forget what it's called here. It's a, like, trans, trans rip you ink. And there's a customs examination service center. And what they do, I'll take you, <laughs> and what they do is they, uh, they, they drive your stuff there, which costs a couple hundred dollars. Then they have a commercial company open it up, take everything out so a customs dude can come by and go, yep, yep, looks good, yep, pack it all up, boys. $1,800. Well, this sounds like an out-and-out scam. Yeah, but it's in the law. I, I, I looked it up at the, the website at uh, CPP.gov. Oh, so this was one of those laws written to benefit some private companies. Yes, of course. And they, and you, Well, they have to publish their fees, and so they published their the most recent fees in 2005. It's like if you got garments... And and you know what? Women happen to have a lot of garments that they ship over. Many do, yes. It's like that's like twelve hundred bucks right there for a container, you know, that has garments. It's a huge ripoff. And of course, if you ship it to Kansas, oh well, then it's only like three hundred dollars. Should have shipped it to Kansas. Yeah, if I had known. <sighs> wow. Yeah, it's. it's well, wait a minute. Let's back up a second. Why would it be uh, cheaper in Kansas? Because there's less corruption there, I guess. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> I really don't know. No, you that's know, what it is. But even the, even the shipping agent said, yeah, I know, this is really messed up, and it's it's even hard to get a final itemized bill of exactly what they did. Because you know, you know they're probably not even unpacking this crap. They're just giving the container some air. And the yeah, ship- that's, well, why would you bother? Yeah, and then the uh, and the shipping agent said, "Oh, and by the way, you know, we see of the five percent that don't get scanned, they're from like Afghanistan." I'm like, "Oh, of course, that's with all the heroin." Yeah, <laughs> heaven forbid, heaven forbid, they actually find anything. She literally said what that. What would we do? <laughs> she literally said that. Yeah, we see containers from Afghanistan. They never get special screening. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, there you go, eighteen hundred bucks, and my shit hasn't come yet. Oh, well, there's another eighteen hundred bucks. I know, but it's like, and and this shouldn't Homeland Security be doing this as a service for my tax dollars instead of being farmed out to some commercial company? Bastards! It never ends. No, it doesn't. Nor does the uh, the Polish two to the head. <laughs> oh, the story's getting better. It is. Now, of course, we played you the video with the gunshots. Last week. Uh, last week. Um, although uh, there's a lot more analysis has been done on it, and even stuff that I didn't see. There's people walking around, jumping out of the plane, getting apparently shot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, a, there's a couple of different... Why do we laugh at this? <laughs> because we it's are so, sick. It's so blatant. It's like, we're not even surprised. It's like, of course, you know... <laughs> But you know now people are really doing some analysis on this uh, on this video, and it's linked once again in the show notes at noagendashow.com. dot com. And um, you know this this allegedly was from a guy, and he's running around there right after the accident. But you literally do see people in the background like jumping off either off of debris or out of the airplane. And uh, there are several different translations that are kind of put in as titles in these YouTube videos. Um, and there's a lot of dispute over that, and I just really can't say one way or the other what the correct translation is because you know I don't speak uh, Russian or or Polish for that reason, and for that matter. Uh, but it, I have to say, it looks like it looks like they're just shooting people, <laughs> and then the guy uh, who who shot this video was stabbed 
uh, taken to the hospital in critical condition, and apparently they unplugged his life support at the hospital. And it, when it, was the guy stabbed? Well, I mean, we know why, but, <laughs> but, but, but what was the what was the cover story? Uh, I don't. There is no cover story, as far as I know. The guy was just stabbed. Oh, how and unfortunate! They didn't even bother to come up with a cover story. Someone no, tried to rob him. They or don't something? care anymore. I know. I think they're getting careless. This is getting too sloppy. Yeah, and then there's the uh, just another two to the head. The uh, I think it's the second highest member of the Polish uh, uh, church. Sixty-year-old. I'm reading Polish now, John. <laughs> this is bad. I'm actually reading Polish. No, this is. I'm sorry. This is Polish. This is German. No, that's uh, how you could read it. So I don't know if he he wasn't able to catch a ride uh, on the plane to the Katan uh, uh, commemoration, but he went. I guess he went by by car. Uh, he attended the ceremony, of course. After all, um, uh, and I'm sorry, not the uh, the ceremony. He attended the uh, funeral. And he drove back, and he had a fatal car accident. I mean, it's just like there's just so much crap. Like they didn't have enough guys. They already got a religious leader in the plane. It's like, yeah, let's get the number two guy while we're at it. Let's just drive him off the cliff. So, um, this is like getting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is a strange, strange story. You know, apparently, of course, we have a couple of Polish listeners, and they've told us that none of this is even suggested in the news media there. Well, the thing that I'm getting, what I'm hearing is that, yes, this was a hit, but not by the Russians. Yeah, well, this is your theory, too. Well, because I'm it hearing happened it. In, wasn't it in Russia where it happened? It, it happened wasn't in Russia. Yeah. What, was the Germans sitting on the ground waiting there so they could shoot these people jumping off the plane? We have Aves. Yeah, I'm not buying that. It seems Russian to me. Except it's so careless. You'd think they'd be a little slicker. Like the thing would first land, if there was anybody, they, they, the plane would blow up to smithereens because it happened to land on a uh, ammunition dump. Well, the thing, it, it didn't blow up. It just kind of like, it looks like it fell apart. I mean, there's all kinds of, I mean, I don't know. It, you know what? It stinks. The whole thing stinks. No, it does stink. It the stinks. The whole thing stinks. And, uh, and you know, have you heard anything about it in the media at all? Forget about Polish media. Have you heard, uh, in, in American media, is anyone questioning this? I mean, this no, is they, like, it was just reported at the, at the beginning, and no one said anything since, and no one's talked about the, the dead camera guy who took, took the movies of these guys being shot. And who's been stabbed to death. And stabbed to death. <laughs> <laughs> that's also it's not that's also not a nice way of doing it. You know yeah, what I mean? Stab him to death. What are we gonna do? You have a gun. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to stab. My gun, my gun does not work. <laughs> stab him to death. Stab the bastard. Ah, uh, he, he didn't die. Oh, well, go disconnect his tubes. <laughs> he didn't. <die>. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does sound. It just sounds like something. It doesn't sound like uh, profession. If you if you wrote this as a script. It would be a comedy show. Yeah, if if you said this is a serious spy novel, they'd be like, "Why don't you go back to the drawing board and write something realistic?" You know, this this is no good. This would be rejected by every Hollywood studio. It's like it no would. way, no way. This it never happens that way. It's too dumb. Do some covert stuff. So um, we have a couple other things to follow up on. If you just want to get them out of the way, yeah, let's do that. Um, Ashmageddon. Oh, yes, Ashmageddon. Okay, so I'll just say three things about this. 
Um, yeah, by the way, before you say even one thing, you, you did catch the story about the guys who took off. And said, oh, I smell ash. Yeah, and then they, they returned. Remember yeah, the one? sulfur. It was. Um, I think it was a. Uh, what was it? It was a Cook's tour flight. Yeah, that's what it was. British uh, Thomas Cook, right? Um, but then uh, the engine didn't stop or anything. No, uh, he just he smelled. They, they he said a, he smelled ash. Right. Saying well, what? What do you? <laughs> you sure he didn't say ass? And it was just Kevin <laughs> Smith sitting on the plane. I mean, <laughs> you got to be sure about. You know, it can be weird transmissions on the radio. So one thing that happened during all of this is the uh, there was a huge NATO military exercise scheduled for exactly the same week, if you if, or five days almost, called Brilliant Ardent. Um. And uh, there's conflicting reports, some, some military reports saying, well, you know, we couldn't fly. Others are saying, well, we flew. And it wasn't just in the sky, by the way. It was also a, a marine-based um, exercise, which coincided with uh, the Dutch Air Force as well. Their version of it was called Frisian Flag. So there's a lot of information in the show notes, and you can I just you just have to draw your own conclusions. I couldn't get it one way or the other. But you sent a very good um, question to me through email. You said, "Okay, so maybe this is a setup, but to what end? Why was your question?" So I have two theories for you. One I already said right off the bat, which was uh, railways. Make uh, And whether, whether this was intended or prolonged, perhaps, so maybe people just freaked out and said, oh, we've got a ground flight, and then it was like, hey, this is an interesting crisis. What can I use it for? Well, that's interesting that you would bring that up. Of course, you brought it up before, but during this crisis, there's been an inordinate number of advertisements for Siemens and high-speed rail in California. He. <laughs> You said semen. Yes, uh, the European Parliament on Tuesday said uh, the 27-country bloc has reacted too slowly to a crisis that has shown an urgent need to bring other forms of transportation up to date. Member states should finally learn a lesson from what has happened, said center-right Minister of European Parliament, Marion Jean Marescu, a member of the, of the, <laughs> of the Parliament's Transport Committee. The modernization of our railroad transportation is a priority. We talk a lot hey, about good, it. Hey, hey, lady. Hey, lady. <laughs> what good does it do to modernize it when they're on strike? Really? What difference well, does it make? That's a part of it. You know, make automate it. Get rid of the, uh, the, get, get rid, rid of, of people. Guys. Get rid of people. We talk a lot about it. Don't do much. In Europe today, you can't buy a train ticket to travel in a civilized way from the north of Europe to the south of Europe. Hmm. What? Yeah, that's what, that's what uh, she said. That's bogus. In Europe today, you can't buy a train ticket to travel in a civilized way, John. Civilized. Now, remember, these are elites talking, so they need, like, caviar and, you know, uh, little ball ticklers. You can't buy a train ticket to travel in a civilized way from the north of Europe to the south of Europe. Rail travelers often complain they have to buy tickets for each stage of their journey. Oh, we need more harmonization and integration. That's what it's about. So that's a one. But then I thought about this, and I came across a very interesting story. And first I thought, okay, the global warming movement has really jumped the shark when they're saying, all these airplanes that are grounded 
that could lead to a rise in temperatures. I'm like, okay, now these guys are totally off their rocker. But then I thought about it. So first of all, a study conducted after commercial flights were grounded. This was, this was uh, yeah, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. After 9-11, right. the people started looking at the documentation and they found out something interesting, which you're going to tell us. They found out that after three days of uh, the all, uh, fl- essentially all flights, except for Arab flights, um, being grounded, the average daily temperature range in the U.S. rose markedly, exceeding the three-day periods before and after by 1.8 degrees Celsius, which is, uh, uh, that's a reasonable jump. So, so let me just finish the thought. The same guys who brought you global warming, i.e. the Met Office, are the same guys who had the computer models that brought you Ashmageddon. That's the connection I'm making for you. That's, I'm liking this. And that because to me it actually was. In fact, I was reading some reports about how the. Oh, now they're starting to say. In fact, we got some email on this. Uh, some now they're saying that the computer models were bad. Or might as well stay consistent, right? Yeah. The computer models were bad about Ashmageddon, and maybe we didn't need to ground all these flights and blah blah blah. We could have flown around this and that, and and then if you did, dug into it, it was the same basic group. Doing the modeling that does that's modeled the the global warming stuff. So doesn't it make a lot of sense if they know and they've had this data for for a decade? If they know that, or almost a decade, that by grounding flights, glo- the temperature will rise. So European temperatures will rise by one point eight percent. And these are the guys who are saying it's getting warmer. Wow, doesn't that make a lot of sense? Especially since we know they didn't actually do any measurements on uh, on the ash cloud. They just said, oh, that's dangerous. Let's stop all flying. Well, uh, I like the theory. It's impossible to prove, of course. Well, but I hope someone one. else picks up on it because no, 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 one's, no pick, one seems to be cares. making these connections. Nobody, nobody cares. <laughs> they don't. That's nobody the problem. Cares. Nobody cares. This is they what. Don't, nobody can. We have a bunch of listeners who, who I don't even know. I think a lot of our listeners do care kind of, but I think they're mostly just entertained by our crazy ideas. <laughs> Meanwhile, of course, the true tragedy is in Iceland. Now, 190 some years ago when this, uh, when this mountain blew its stack previously, people, a lot of people died. And the, and the reason why they died was not necessarily because of breathing uh, volcanic ash, but it killed all the crops due to the high, and this is nice, fluoride content. And of course, because there were no crops, the sheep and the cows couldn't eat, and people died of famine. And once mm. again, uh, the fluoride levels in this ash is... Uh, is causing it is wreaking havoc in Iceland, which I'm sure no one cares about either, except us. Um, which of course makes me also question fluoride again. Well, you know, they, they well, luckily most of this is blowing toward England. Um, <laughs> luckily, luckily. <laughs> sorry, chaps. <laughs> and curiously, the Reykjavik airport is still open with flights to the United States, so we could actually go visit this thing. Now, I have to ask you a question about the, you know, no-fly zones and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking at a bunch of these photos of the volcano, and it was obvious that these photos were taken by someone in an airplane. A helicopter, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. But there's a lot of some great shots. Uh, I mean, this thing, apparently, this particular ash is, um, 
is a, is electrically conductive. Yeah, it's beautiful. Being, yeah, and it's blowing up through the uh, glacier, and so you're getting a lot of weird lightning that's interconnecting the uh, the clouds. It's and, just and, really and, a- and the UFO formation. I'm sure you saw that video. No, I didn't. Oh, it's oh, it's fantastic. It's a V shape of uh, probably eight or nine craft hovering uh-huh. right near the volcano. That would make sense because they have to promote the uh, reintroduction of the KGO or, sorry, ABC show V. So that <laughs> yeah. would make sense to plant something like that. Uh, it's good promotion for I'm, V. I'm not, I'm not which, even. By the way, sucks. Yeah, V blows. Could you guys promote something else? <laughs> and, and even if it's aliens who are promoting V, you guys are off your rocker. You got to get some new shows up there. They they're, like we like this show V. <laughs> they're probably still watching the old show because it takes so long for it to get to their dishes up there. They're watching the original V series, which yeah, was okay. That's the one where they eat the, eat the squirrels or whatever. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so your aviation question is, is it okay for these uh, aircraft yeah. to be flying in the volcanic uh, area? Well, yeah, of how course, does that work? Yeah, of course, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Well, they are, they, you know, they're not flying through the visible part of the cloud, which is the whole point. And these are turbine based helicopters, so they would they would have the exact same issue. Right, the tur- they're, they're, yeah. right. They have would have the same yeah. the turbines. Today's modern turbine engines are used JP four, the same jet fuel. They're jets with yeah. the, with a prop hooked it's up. It's a jet engine, yeah, with yeah. a big prop, yeah, which we call a rotor. Rotor, that's the word I was yeah. thinking. So of course it's bogus. The whole thing is bogus, and that's why I'm really liking the uh, the global I warming like the angle. I'm about global warming. I'm liking yeah. the, uh, the global warming angle, and I and I definitely still think that this is at least it's going to be used to promote more trains. Which, by the way, economically speaking, John, it's not a bad idea. You know, they need to kickstart some kind of economy around something. So it might as well be trains. Well, I like, you know, the thing is, I like trains, so it doesn't bother me that much. Uh, although they're, they're not as convenient necessarily, uh, as an airplane or fast. It's definitely not as fast. So, except that one, you know, that one, the, the interesting one, which I don't understand why we don't talk about it at all in this country, is the, I think it goes from the Beijing airport to, uh, Beijing, the Maglev train that does 450. Yeah. A friend of mine took it recently. It's, just, it's only been introduced, like, I think a year or a year and a half ago. Uh, and a friend of mine took it. He says, unbelievable. It's, for one thing, it's a maglev, so it, it has no wheels or anything. It just kind of sits up on magnets. It's a nice and then it just ride, yeah. Blast off like a, you know, bat out of hell at 400 miles an hour. Uh, and we don't even, it's like nobody even knows this. Nobody in the United States, we, you know, Americans are very, I keep telling people. Look, you want to do something <laughs> Amer- for the Americans weekend? are stupid. Is that what you keep telling people? I, no, I'm just, no, they're naive. <laughs> yeah. I, I keep telling people, you want to do something for the weekend. People in the East Coast, I think, if I lived in New York, for example, I'd be going to Paris every weekend, every, or not every weekend, but once in a while on a good deal. Fly over to Paris, have dinner, spend a couple of nights, come back. On the West Coast, we have the opportunity to do something similar, even though it takes a few more hours. But I know from Vancouver, you can get to Shanghai in, I think, around seven hours, maybe six. But whatever the case, I say, just pack up, go to the council, get yourself a visa, and go to Shanghai for the weekend or for a couple of days, or just because it's dirt cheap, you can get a, ho- a really great hotel room for less than a hundred bucks. The place is jumping. You get the, some of the best restaurants in the world. You can have the time of your life, and come back with a little insight as to what's going on in China, because most people don't have a clue. And but if you go there once in a while, you it, it's a real eye opener, and I advise people to just visit. 
and and I know that there's not that much of that going on because when I go to China and I, I don't care where it is, I'm like the only white guy that I see for days. You're a novelty. Well, actually, I was a novelty. I went to this to city, Zhamin, which is a, has an art dealer I was visiting. And uh, he, we decided to go float around town. They have a little amusement park, which is a total piece of crap. And, and, I, and by the whole time I was there, I went to a restaurant, anything, everyone would stare at me. Because apparently, you know, the number of <laughs> you, white no, folks. You know what they were staring at? They are like, look at how that guy holds his fork. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? use chopsticks that? in China, my friend. <laughs> no kidding. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so anyway uh, we went to this uh, little park, and, and a bunch of Chinese kids had, they demanded they all take pictures of me with them. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> kind of the same when I went to the Long Necks in, uh, in Thailand. And then, of course, yeah. right after they, oh, take picture with oh, me. white guy. What is yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> hey, your neck longer than mine. <laughs> the, okay. <laughs> we need a no agenda junket to Shanghai. That's what we need. That would be good. So, um, actually, we you know, that might be a, not a bad thing to set up with some travelers. You get a bunch of the no agenda mavens and we can all go yeah. together. Yeah, let's get Thomas Cook. Hey, you know, that's, John, great idea. Let's get all the no agenda people on a plane and let's fly to, fly to Russia. This is a great idea. Let's go to Russia. And let's you make know. sure, let's make sure we have it checked a year before by the Russians. Hmm. This is great. Yeah, maybe not. All right. Couple of updates on Haiti and then I'm done because you know, I just don't want to forget that we started talking about the shysters that show up and just send us your cash and this outrageous bullshit that's going on with Haiti. This was sent to me by uh, one of our producers, uh, Philip Regner, uh, at his local uh, Safeway. A note on the door, please note, due to the current situation until further noticed, Western Union will not be accepting money transfers to Haiti as it cannot guarantee delivery of funds. Well, how does that work? Isn't that just like an electronic thing? Well, and apparently it, he's been intercepted by some agency. You know, it, that's just weird. I mean, Western Union, they just they just hit a key, a couple of keystrokes. It pops up on the uh, the monitor at the other end, and then and then someone just dishes out some cash. So does that apparently mean that, not. does that mean that? Uh, well, <laughs> to me, it's like okay. So uh, all that money we texted, it's not making it. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't text any cause I knew this would happen. So, um, the BBC is reporting something very interesting and this just really gets my goat. So what is about to happen in the next four weeks in Haiti? We've got the rainy season coming. This is when these people and the reports are about 2 million people who are still displaced, living in tents, sleeping in mud, which is soon to be, you know, waist high mud going to be washed away so what does the u.s military say well we'll be out by june 1st (laughs) (laughs) we don't want to be here we don't don't want to be here helping it we don't want to be here helping anybody (laughs) it's just like this makes no sense it makes no sense well, they got the everything's in place. You know, the latest report, of course, was that a lot of the donations and money from the UN is uh, being used to to fund the UN in yeah. Haiti and give fat salaries to a bunch of people in a whole housing complex they're built, building for them. Yeah, seven hundred and thirty-two million dollars. Uh, a couple of notes about that in the show notes at noagendashow.com. 
So uh, that's kind of interesting. I'm surprised that the Haitians, uh, it's a good thing they're not armed to the teeth because I think they'd be shooting people left and right. Oh, well, there's all kinds of reports of the violence and the gangs, and, and this one was just crazy. Uh, the district attorney in Brooklyn, New York, has uh, said, oh, I think we need to contribute. So he sent over seven truckloads of confiscated counterfeit designer Clothing and shoes. <laughs> I didn't know this. Yes. Nike. How bad is Diesel, this for the brand? Chanel sunglasses. <laughs> oh, this is just ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. It's like okay. Let me explain to people that don't know this, but uh, in New York City, there's a street you can go there and visit. It's yeah, Canal, it's Canal Street. Street. Right. And Canal Street, uh, depending on what side of the street you're on, has all these counterfeit goods, and they have lots of them. Watches, uh, Rolex watches you can get for anywhere from 10 to $40, depending on the movement. Um, all kinds of uh, clothing, lots of bags. Uh, oh, yeah. Eve Sandler, my bag, or there's Louis Vuitton, Louis Vuitton bags. bags yeah. Yeah. Uh, phony baloney, uh, cross pens. I mean, just everything. And a lot of them, of course, are the are the real deal. Maybe they have a small defect, or that's it's done in the same factory, just pumped out through a different channel. Much of the channel. stuff is done in oh, the same yeah. factory, especially yeah. when you see some really obscure watch yeah. that looks exactly like. I mean, because nobody who's going to counterfeit this thing? I mean, it's like you, you, it's it's too much work <laughs> unless you already have the dies and you're making them already. Well, so permission was obtained from manufacturers, including Nike, Timberland, Antique Denim Jeans, Black Label, Christian Audigier, allowing these knockoffs to be donated to the Haitians because, according to Kings County District Attorney Charles J. Hines, if they're going to die, they might as well look good. No. no. I made that up. <laughs> I made that up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like, What? This is crazy. It's just, it's just absolutely nuts. Uh, I'm sorry. It's not quite as nuts as, um, uh, I had some more on the toothbrush thing. That's for real, man. That, that toothbrush, bring it, bring a new toothbrush for the people for Haiti. Um, but here's, here's a dichotomy and then I'll get off it. So, um, there's some pictures that are surfacing of 61,000 pounds of butterball turkey. That are uh, that have been shipped to Haiti. Hmm. Now here, now first of all, this is a dumb thing to send because uh, Turkey need. I mean, this is not a handy item. It needs to be kept frozen. Well, it has to be refrigerated, not necessarily frozen. Uh, well, the box says keep frozen. I'm looking at the box right oh, here. Oh, they're probably because they're frozen. They're turkeys. frozen. Yeah, you don't want them to thaw yeah, and then refreeze them. You have to cook them. Yeah. So, but they're stacked, and the reason why they're stacked, and this is a, a report from, uh, I think it's from CBS, and and let's just listen to this for a second. I actually, I didn't, I, I have taken your advice, and I have made an actual sound clip recording instead of playing the online video. Of all the things you've heard about earthquake aid to Haiti, here's something you probably didn't know. Haiti's government wants large-scale food assistance and free health care to stop. If it's news to you, it was to us, too, when Katie Couric recently visited Haiti and spoke to Aaron Boyd, a nutrition aide for UNICEF. Uh, okay, it's all the UN people there, right? So you always got to be wary of that. Boyd disagrees with cutting back on aid, but told why it's being done. 
When you continue having a lot of food distributions, you lower the price of food so that people can't trade, and it disrupts markets, basically. In other words, there may be such a thing as too much help. The public outpouring is so generous, it's interfering with the Haitian economy. If food is free, local farmers can't sell what they grow. Desperately poor residents who aren't earthquake victims are moving into refugee camps for the free food and health care. But the government wants residents to be less dependent on foreign aid, not more. Susan Reichley is with USAID, the U.S. agency that distributes foreign aid. Now, listen, now first of all, do you buy this? I mean, or it, it, isn't this just crazy? It's disturbing the local economy? It's bogus. So that's why these butterball frozen turkeys are just... Stacked up, thawing, leaking turkey guts at the airport there. Uh, you know, it sounds like they just had a bunch of over overstock of turkeys and they wanted to get rid yeah. of them. Where, what can we do? It's like, well, hey. I got a good tax write-off, Jim. <laughs> hey, let's send them to Haiti. Yeah. Let's send them to Haiti. We yeah. get the write-off on the whole deal. Yay! You got promoted. You're now vice president. Good job. It's already spent $562 million on Haiti relief. As they've requested that these large-scale uh, food distributions and as well as some of the large-scale programs, which are dr- really pulling people into the camps, we're working with them. We are in complete agreement with them on this point. Pulling back on aid means something a lot of American donors might find unthinkable. Even as many go without meals, relief food that's already made it to Haiti is now being sent to warehouses for future disasters. USAID calls it pre-positioning. Ooh, we have a word. There's some Ooh, new, a new word, new word. Pre-positioning. We need a, we need a jingle. <laughs> Pre- pre-positioning so you go hungry. Pre-positioning. <laughs> pre-positioning. Can you just see it? The, Haiti, the Haitians lining up. Hey, can I have some of that pre-positioned food, please? I'm really hungry. And some of that pre-positioned health care. Because, you know, you're ruining the health care economy. Oh, that's it. They've got to have a health care bill, maybe. That's what they want. This is nuts. They, did she not clearly say food and health care? I didn't see the here the health care. Yeah, yeah. Was it the first thing she said? Food and health care. But health care, we have to pre-position your health care because we need the local economy. Pre-position means get in line. <laughs> a new word. A new get word. In line. Get, get in line. line. Yeah. Stay tuned for that word to show up. What are you up, doing to those people? Well, we're pre-positioning. Yeah, we're pre-positioning them. That's right. So there's enough left now to pre-position for future needs. And that's exactly what we're doing. The World Food Program. What? How can they do this? How can you come up with some bogus new word and you just casually throw it out as though it's always in the lexicon? Well, because they're divorcing themselves from old vernacular. <laughs> it's the new speak. You gotta pay it. It's, I love oh, this stuff. This is great. What? I said it's unbelievable. Yeah. The food aid branch of the UN also tells. No, this is U.S. aid. CBS News. It's scaling back food aid at the request of the Haiti government, storing food for future needs. Yeah, the Haitian government, put in by the U.S. and help help put in there by the CIA. We're on board with the program to turn this into a tax haven and gambling paradise with roads like Hillary Court and Bill Jefferson Way. The shift away from free food on a massive scale has been done quietly in Haiti and has opened a can of worms. Relief officials... <laughs> Which they can eat. Have your yeah, can, of can of worms. What <laughs> a eat, can of turkey. Eat your worms. Those who need to keep the donations flowing worry that once word gets out, people will be less likely to give. 
Others say that donations meant for earthquake relief food should not now be used for other needs. As of tonight, total donations to Haiti meet and exceed the biggest estimates of how much it will cost to rebuild, up to $14 billion. The record-breaking Hope for Haiti telethon in January brought in more than $66 million. That's That's all we brought in, by the way? $66 million? That's it? That sounds like they're they're fudging the numbers on the low side. That that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, the whole world watched that. We were in awe. We had tears. The whole world watched it. That should have been a lot more money than that. We were texting our $10. It was lovely. Part of the $4 billion raised by non-government groups and charities. The U.S. government has given more than a billion dollars and has pledged another billion plus. Other countries and world bodies have pledged $8.75 billion over two years. That's $14.9 billion and counting. With all that aid pouring in, some worry that it will feed corrupt and criminal elements rather than the needy. Oh, there it is. There are reports of gangs intercepting aid and selling food on the black market with impunity from high-ranking officials. It's just one example of the complexities in play when... Shysters show up and take advantage of people's goodwill and generosity. Yep. There you go. That's uh, That's your Haiti report. Things going well. Yeah, well, I don't know what to say. Well, it's a, <laughs> you know, it's just a, I don't know, let's talk about something else. I mean, we, we can harp on this. This will never end until the hotels are built and then we're invited to some, you know, some sort of a uh, to the casinos. Opening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we'll go there and it'll be all Hades behind the crap table. The jingle, by the way, should be New Speak of the Week. That's a suggestion from the chat room. New speak of the week. Yeah, New I like speak that. speak of the week. Because we do seem to have one about weekly. We need a Jeff for that one. Yeah, Sir Jeff. Okay. Sir Jeff. What you got for me, my brother? Well, we do have some... I have a couple of interesting... I have a lot of... I, my clips this week are uh, all, you know, from... Uh, let me get to a blank screen here. By the way, can I just say that... Can I just jinx it for a moment and say that... Uh, the sound quality is outstanding. I hear you great today since I made this change. And we have not been kicked off yet. But we're coming up on the 45-minute mark, so any minute now. Yeah, well, the kicking off is a different thing. And, and the sound quality, I'm sure. <laughs> how, how are you receiving me on that end? Is it good? In the morning. Yeah, you sound you sound you sound the same as you've always sounded. You sound fantastic. Okay, thank, thank you, thank you, baby. That's what I need to hear. Re- reaffirmation Except for that part. Yeah. Okay, let's see here. Um, well, while you're looking, no, I'm, have, I'm just trying to bring Have up you screen. seen uh, the website newmoney.gov? Have you heard about our new one hundred dollar bill? New, you know, I don't. I guess they're counterfeiting the, the the old hunters already, so they came up with this one, which has got one of those mag mag stripes on it. Well, of course, the minute we have one of these, we gotta see if it has an RFID chip embedded. Mm. It may, it may, it may, it may. You don't know. But here's the question I have: I'm gonna go to my bank. Uh, my low, I'm gonna go to my bank tomorrow. Uh, you know, our bank. Yeah. And I'm going to ask him is to get me one of those as soon as they come in. So here's a question I have for you. Because um, I, I, this newmoney.gov, I look through the site, and uh, one of the questions I have is if they print up a whole bunch of new $100 bills, 
they literally say, you know, we're not taking the old bills out of circulation immediately. Oh, no. They never do. Right. But isn't that the equivalent of printing money? They are printing money. That's right. what they do. <laughs> but, that's, but isn't it like printing more money? Isn't this uh, inflationary? No, always, bills are always coming out of circulation. Right, but if they're, but they're inter- what, I think the answer to that question was if we, you know, we're not taking all the old bills to replace them with all the new bills. We're, we, we, it's a process where money is taken out of circulation as money is put into circulation. Sometimes you put more money in than you take out, which is right. what your complaint would be. Well, okay, let's let's play a couple of clips here. You're not answering uh, my question, but thanks anyway. I'm not going to answer it because I don't have an answer for it. Um, here's a couple of interesting things. I, that most of the stuff I have this week is about kind of predicting what's going to be happening in the future uh, in terms of who's going to get screwed. We're looking into John's crystal ball. Let's listen to this clip called Germany and Goldman Sachs. Okay. The move is one of the first acts taken by BNLB's new CEO who took office just last week. Sylvia Vandver is in Frankfurt. She has more details on this. And Sylvia, what happened to uh, innocence until proven guilty? Oh, okay, stop. Let me set this up. The Bayern Bank uh, in Bavaria, I guess, dissociated itself from Goldman Sachs after this initial uh, um, investigation began this week. Yeah, which and they're not the only ones to do that. They're not the only ones. But then it turns out this woman who's an analyst for CNBC World, she says that it looks as though, you'll hear it, uh, that Germany as a whole may dissociate. But I'm thinking... Goldman Sachs is so, you know, they, they're tend, it's like the octopus at this point in time. Their tentacles are everywhere. I'm predicting, and you can, you'll listen to the rest of the clip, but I'm predicting that Germany is going to get screwed by pulling, if they pull this stunt. Okay, and uh, yes, I have some thoughts on that. Let's listen to the rest of the clip. Well, I think as far as banking is concerned, it's a very tricky situation. I talked to somebody from the Bavarian Finance Ministry last night. and Is this that kind of weirdly hot chick with a blonde hair with a weird part in the middle? No, just the opposite. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah, no, this is not her. I like her. She, she has like, the, like a weird... She's like, your style. She, yeah. Yes, it looks like she's from the spaceship. She's a tall blonde. Okay, that's not her. Good. Uh, asked because the Bavarian, uh, the state of Bavaria, of course, is the major shareholder. And he said quite clearly, he said, look, banking is built on trust. If you don't trust your bankers anymore, then you have to take a step back. And I think uh, in a case of Bayern LB, it might be even more politically motivated than anywhere else, because we know that with their backs against the wall, they had to bail, be bailed out several times. Goldman Sachs was their investment advisor for detoxicating toxic assets for two years. And at the moment they're thinking "Mm, maybe they were not the right advisors for that so i think on a political scale that's the right decision but the bigger one is the one that might be coming up yet is whether or not the german government will decide to kick goldman out of the um out of the bundesanleihe consortium that's the consortium that places federal government paper we're talking about really big money we're talking about big prestige goldman has been on there for years and i can only quote one of the finance senators of Berlin who said and I have to quote this because it has to be clear how those investment bankers of Goldman Sachs are behaving in business relations raises serious doubt whether they are earnest businessmen judged by the personal experience with Goldman Sachs in the last months I I intend if possible not to do any business with them anymore that's Ulrich Nussbaum the finance senator of Berlin and people like that sit in the Kapitalmarktausschuss that decides who will issue German government paper 
So before we go, uh, so, yeah, thank you very much. Before we go into analyzing this, John, almost exactly the same report in the Volkskrant and Gitmo Nation Lowlands. Minister of Finance says, you know what? Uh, yeah, these Goldman guys, they, uh, they basically are the transaction agent for all of our, our national paper. In other words, uh, the debt. So Goldman's completely all over the Netherlands as well. And exactly the same words. Well, we can do without Goldman. We can, we can, uh, we can figure out someone, uh, so we can get somebody else. Do you think that this is a hit on Goldman or, I mean, this seems, so unbelievable that that as you say, Goldman is everywhere in, in every. In fact, the Dutch prince Johan Friso, who is uh, married to um, one of uh, George Soros's top lieutenants, Mabel uh, Visser Smith. Now, of course, her last name is different, but people will know her by that name. He worked at Goldman for four or five years. I mean, they're everywhere. So what is going on here? I, I mean, is, are they really trying to take it out or find a, a guy to blame it on because it's all coming down anyway? What do you think? I don't know for sure, but I mean, it could be a, I mean, it could be Lehman Brothers, ex Lehman Brothers people for all we know behind it because they're the ones that have the biggest complaint with Goldman and Lehman was just in front of the Congress. Uh, I think it was in the last week or so because I saw it kept seeing the, in fact, I think I have it on tape, the CEO of Lehman, uh, trying to explain what happened. Now could, now, could this not be at a higher level because? Well, it could be on some government level. Well, how, about, how, about, some, how about Rothschild level? I don't know what I think they're, they'd be in bed with Goldman, uh, if anything. The whole thing, there's something suspicious about it. And I honestly believe that somehow Obama's involved with this in some screwy way. Play the Obama on Goldman. This kind of took me by surprise. Oh, this is this where, was, where the White House is saying we, 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 is we don't know nothing. We, is this, is a, this is, by the way, he's looking around very peculiarly. He is, this is a blatant lie, as far as I can tell. The Vactilian, the first on CNBC. And a thank you to Carolyn, who joined us in that interview from Zurich. Now, President Obama has told CNBC that his administration was not tipped off about the legal action engulfing Goldman Sachs. Speaking exclusively to CNBC's John Harwood yesterday, he in fact said the first he heard about the SEC's fraud charges against the bank was on this channel. And the SEC is an entirely independent agency that uh, we have no day-to-day -day control over, and they never discussed with us anything uh, with respect to the charts that would be brought. So this notion that somehow uh, there would be any attempt to interfere in an independent agency is completely false. So you can say categorically, no winks, no heads up in advance, no signal from anyone. Categorically. Um, we, we, we found out about it on uh, CNBC. Uh, uh, you know, whenever someone says categorically, you know they're lying. They're lying, but the, here's the thing. Unfortunately, this particular lie, I don't think, makes Obama look that good. Because, are you telling... Well, here, let me, let's take a look at this from another perspective. Are you telling me that the White House is so out of touch with its own agencies or the agencies of the U.S. government, who they do communicate with. Yeah, it's an independent agency. They, yeah, they don't manage it, but they, you know, they put everybody in place. It's a government pr property. Are you telling me that the, that the White House of this country is so out of touch with what's going on around it that something as important as this and the people at the SEC aren't stupid, 
They know that Goldman's in the in the midst of everything. You're telling me that nobody told them about this. They had no communications, and they've only found out about it on CNBC. So, in other words, it was released to the press before the government itself knew. Is that how isolated these people are? I mean, what is what is the subtext to this message? It's ridiculous. Well, I have some context to that from former President Bill Clinton who was on ABC and was asked about, because we know that the derivatives started during his administration. It was completely deregulated. He definitely had contact with the SEC. In fact, he's saying this is a crappy SEC. You want to hear my clip? Sure. You mentioned uh, financial regulatory reform. Uh, one of- uh, by the way, financial regulatory reform, which is now President Obama's new health care this is his new mission because we have to have it because there's all kinds of little tricks in there to help his buddies out. Just go ahead oh, and yeah. read it. Oh, there's all kinds of groovy stuff in there. Uh, this was even his presidential address, his uh, his, his weekly uh, radio YouTube thingy. The things that President Obama is pushing for is regulation of derivatives and also with a thing called the Volcker Rule. He's trying to separate uh, commercial banking. Okay, so, so the president is starting this reform, and then and the SEC goes after Goldman Sachs. Oh, really? Coincidence? I think not. Interests from investment banking interests. These were uh, things that were the opposite policies of Treasury Secretary Rubin uh, and Summers at the time. Do you think, in retrospect, they gave you bad advice on those issues? Well, I think uh, on the derivatives, on the on the. Before the Glass-Steagall Act was repealed, it had been breached. There was already a total merger, practically, of commercial and investment banking. And really... This is a revelation for me to hear this. This is also bullshit, but I'll go on. Well, I have to say that that Glass-Steagall was breached and everyone knew it. It was like we always like. Oh, it's the all they chi- had to do was just say, "Hey, wait a minute," and they could have they could have uh, in in pushed pushed the laws that were within Glass Steagall. If it was breached yeah. and it was going to continue to be breached, why would you go out of your way to repeal it? No, but the, but the big joke is everyone knew it. It was always wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, <laughs> Chinese wall. Yeah, <laughs> you know what you're saying. Because I was around all this in the nineties. When uh, when the dot com boom was exploding and all these uh, companies were going public, and I went, oh, there was a, that's a Chinese wall. With the analysts can't talk to that guy. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. The main thing that uh, Glass Steagall. By the way, Clinton looks like he's on the brink of death in this interview. He doesn't look good. He looks bad. What I did was to give us some power to regulate it when uh, the repeal, and also to give old fashioned uh, traditional banks in all over America the right to take an investment interest if they wanted to forestall bankruptcy. Sadly, none of them did that. Mostly it was just the continued blurring of the lines. But uh, only about a third of all the money loaned today is loaned through traditional banking channels. And that was well underway before that legislation was signed. So I don't feel the same way about that. I think what happened was uh, the SEC and the whole regulatory apparatus after I left office was just let go. So he's saying, oh, this new SEC blows, is what yeah, he's you know, saying. He's, he loves, there's an interesting thing that happened in this past week, which is not covered by anybody except the right-wing talk show guys, and mainly Rush Limbaugh. And what it was is a commentary that was done by Dick Morris. I think it was on one of the, uh, it was on Fox, I believe. It was probably on O'Reilly. Oh, I sure. have it, I have it. You want? I have the clip. Hold on a second. It's just the one where he talks about Clinton? About Waco? 
Yeah. Yeah, you want to hear that? Play it, then I want to talk about what Limbaugh said. Okay, here it comes. This is an amazing revelation. Oh, yeah. Here it comes. And let's understand what was Timothy McVeigh's motivation. Uh, God knows what went on in that crazy head of his, but there is some speculation that, and he himself had said, that it was the reaction to the Waco takeover. And uh, Bill Clinton orchestrated that takeover. And in fact, was so ashamed about what he did in Waco that he was not going to appoint Janet Reno to a second four-year term. And she told him in a meeting right before the inauguration day for his new term, that if you don't appoint me, I'm going to tell the truth about Waco. And that forced Clinton's hand in reappointing her. So I, think I don't Mr. remember you telling this story before. No, it's never been said before. Wow. I think that President Clinton might want to examine his own connection with the Oklahoma City bombing in terms of Waco before he starts accusing oh. people in walkers and wheelchairs who are trying to keep their Medicare Wait a of being provocateurs. So what, so what was the truth about Waco that Reno threatened to use against him? Uh, I have no idea, but I know that he told me, Clinton told me, that I couldn't not appoint Reno because she would have turned on me over Waco. That's the phrase he What used. do you... Wh- Whoa. Okay, so Limbaugh... That was Hannity's show, I guess. So yeah. Limbaugh uh, picked this up and, and dug into Clinton's uh, My Life, which, of course, he derisively calls My Lies uh, by... <laughs> Clinton's uh, biography, and Clinton in the biography not only throws Reno under the bus, claiming that it was all her responsibility, and by the way, this does make sense, because I always thought that after Waco and Ruby Ridge, which people should definitely read about, and there's a good rundown in the most recent... uh, Wiki entry. Wiki entry is quite good on Ruby Ridge and the basic murdering of American citizens on American soil, Um, with no accountability, apparently. The after those two events, which were under Janet Reno's rule, I thought she wasn't going to get reappointed. So it's obvious that uh, she had something on him. She had something on him. And what it was is that he may have been responsible for orchestrating, as Dick Morris said, the entire Waco incident. And he was and he was embarrassed about it. So Limbaugh brought out the book and started reading from his bio what Clinton had to say about it. And it was quite funny because it's mostly weasel words. So I was all against it. I didn't even know they were going to do this. And and um, and I was going to take full responsibility, though, because I was the oh, commander. Oh, dude, he's, he does the same thing in this financial clip. I take responsibility so he says i was going to take full responsibility for this but stephanopoulos talked me out of it (laughs) reno came up to me reno came up to me she says don't worry president mr president it's my fault anyway uh it's my fault for screwing up uh so i will take i will take full responsibility and clinton says in his biography no 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 janet i'll take responsibility because i'm the president then stephanopoulos and one other one other of his uh minions said no mr president you can't do that because it's you shouldn't do that it's against it's not a good idea and he says why and so then clinton says against my better judgment Ah. i agreed with them Former President Bill Clinton on Friday said, and I'm reading from Politico, that legitimate comparisons can be drawn between today's grassroots anger and resentment toward the government and the right-wing extremism that bubbled up prior to the bombing of the uh, Edward Murrow building in Oklahoma City. He's, he's, I mean, what kind of setup is this? 
You see, well, that, that, that the setup is well. Of course, the, the this tea party thing is yep. getting on their nerves. Okay, yeah. And the setup is the following: first, you got to demonize them. You got a bunch of old yeah. old retirees in wheelchairs. Yeah, uh, you got to demonize them, and then you've got to do what all the good polit- politicians do. If you got to plant agent provocateurs, agent provocateurs within the organization, the ones that carry the weird signs, the one that use the N-word. You just bring them in as, as though they were members, and then they infiltrate, and then they embarrass the whole group, and then the whole thing falls apart when people say, these people are terrible, they're a bunch of racists. Yeah, so and he- that's you know, what you hear from Les- uh, the Rachel Maddow and, and Oberman and all these guys, because they'll get on that Bill Maher, as fast Bill as they Maher, can. Bill Maher. Bill Maher, for sure. Here's and, here's uh, the quote from the president. I wish I had audio because he apparently is listening to this very show. What we <laughs> learned from Oklahoma City is not that we should gag each other or that we should hold less passion for the positions we hold, but that our words really do matter. There's a vast echo chamber and the words fall on the serious and delirious alike. Have at it. Go fight. Do whatever you want. You don't have to be nice, but be careful with what you say. And do not advocate violence. Oh, I just got to play it. Yeah. Come on, everybody. Say it with me now. Shut up, slave. So uh, in the the meantime, uh, MSNBC cobbled together a uh, special uh, on the Tim McVeigh tapes. Mm-hmm. Which I guess were released, and I don't even know how you know how these are edited, or that we don't know anything. These are the about phone it, calls. You know, I I don't from know the if these compound? are phone calls, or I don't know if these are phone calls from the compound. I don't know. I don't know what these tapes are. There was tapes that were made as a debriefing. Somebody got to interview them or something. These they've been kept in you know forever, and now they've been released until to it was MSNBC. handy to release them to demonize people, right? Yeah, and McVeigh, but yeah, but they, 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 you know, the problem with the left wingers in this regard, and, and Rachel Maddow is the is the uh, um, voiceover, the narrator, and she's like trying to be really serious, or so she doesn't have any of that, that snide quality of voice, and she's actually fair at, at doing this, but the. Um, there's the, but they they just can't resist there's, a, there's always you know there's a there's a checklist just as with the right wingers there's this checklist if you don't do this and this and this and this as a conservative you're you're a rhino uh with the left they've got their little the little agendas that always crop up now i want you to play this clip now this clip runs about 3 minutes and you can interrupt it at any given time but when the when the meme comes up uh-huh you're gonna. I'm, I want you to identify it immediately because it's gonna be like, oh brother. I mean, this is like, it's like, what? How did they get this into here? Is it, how did you get this meme, which we've discussed at, over the past few weeks? The uh-huh. meme is is a, is a live one. You can say that's interesting. They'd slip this in. So this is uh, more new speak of the week, I guess. No, no, okay. no. It's just a meme. Just, just a, a meme. plain old okay. meme. All right, here we go. No, it's great. I can't wait for Rachel. responsibility for all my actions and for who I am. I am not looking in any way, shape, or form to blame anything on my parents or my upbringing. Tim was born into a, a working-class family in just north of Buffalo, New York. It's a hard-working community of blue-collar folks. 
His father, his grandfather worked at an auto plant. The family he was born into was very typical American. Timothy McVeigh was the first son in that family. He'd had an older sister, and then later a younger sister came along. Growing up, to me, I was taught with my family that even getting a speeding ticket was like a sin type thing. You know, it wasn't this religious thing. I don't want to say sin in a religious tone. I mean, like, any breaking of the law is bad, Tim. You should never break the law. An energetic, generally happy kid, McVeigh did not see too much of that joy inside his own home. His parents. I love Rachel's uh, voiceover. It's, <laughs> it's really, yeah, really uh, impressive with the music. Parents Bill and Mickey were constantly at odds with one another. His parents didn't mesh together very well. Mickey, um, I think she wanted something bigger, something better, and just wanted to be free. The sisters and Tim were put in a very difficult situation when the family broke up. The sisters decided to go with the mom, and she moved down to Florida. And Tim said, no, I'm staying with Dad. With my parents, being completely honest, I can't sit here today and, and tell you that I truly love them. I know what love is, and I don't think I feel it to my parents. You asked if there's any men that I loved. I love my grandfather, McVeigh. Ed McVeigh lived just a mile or so down the road and became a role model and constant presence in young McVeigh's life once his mother and sisters moved away. Ed did a lot of child rearing with Tim. And thank God Ed was there because he would have had no one. He would go shooting with his grandfather. He, would, he did everything with his grandfather. In contrast to the safe haven he found with his grandfather, McVeigh struggled with the social pressures of high school. Oh, oh, was he bullied? Was he bullied? <laughs> oh, let me, I can't wait. Highly intelligent by all accounts, McVeigh's problems were not in the classroom. I think they started calling me Noodle McVeigh. Oh, noodle, yeah. Because I was thin as a noodle, right? And lanky and all that. So then they said, well, noodle, chicken noodle soup. Uh, chicken McNuggets, McVeigh McNuggets. He got picked on. And that uh, was one of the resentments that he harbored throughout his entire life. Bullies. Bullies. <laughs> Bullies. I got bullied, so I'm going to be radical and blow up children. <laughs> I can't even listen to this anymore. It's not, it doesn't get any better. You can stop it there. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but he blame the jocks, which I thought was yeah. interesting. Well, screw them. The jocks. Wow, bullying. Well, you know, uh, this can't fits. get away. You, they left. Yeah, the people on this side of the aisle, they just can't get off this bullying thing. Well, the, I, I'll say it again. This uh, this was a huge thing a couple of years back in Gitmo Nation East when I was living in London, and uh, it's all. There was another report. Christina, my my daughter's here still with us, and um, we were watching something else on the news, and it was about this girl who uh, committed suicide because she was bullied. And I watched Christina, and I watched her reaction to this. And um, these kids have really been indoctrinated with this bullying stuff, you know. And she's like, wow, yeah, this bullying's out of control. Look at how horrible this is. So it's working. It's working on a very deep social, sociological or psychological level. Because, of course, everyone gets bullied at school. 
At some point, everyone gets some There's bullying. There's a pecking order in school, and you yeah, have this. You it's know, like life. It's like the way it is. You get bullied. Well, this is what bothers me. I'm, I'm concerned about people that grow up isolated from this, and then they go into the real world where they get bullied by a mad off or a salesperson. You know, I've been getting nothing but phone calls from all these uh, uh, sales, because I got on some list, and somebody finally told me who, who put the list up. So tell it tell a, a marketing list for apparently people who are stupid enough to buy uh, securities over the phone from somebody you don't know. And these guys, they have a hard sell. I usually jump on it on their case, especially with the one sales pitch I really find annoying, which is, would you agree with me that blah, blah, blah? Would you agree with me that blah, blah, blah? Would you agree with me that so they, you get you in an agreeable mood? Anytime right. anyone says, would you agree with me? Yeah. I immediately say, no, I'm not going to agree with anything you say. And so it really screws them up. But anyway, uh, well, I, I, th- I think I can take this one step further. I see the direction where this is going. Our, our previous show, actually, the title, I think, was Bully for You. I don't know if that was the show, the previous show or the one before that, because this is a very, you're right, a very active meme. It's going one step further, because what do bullies do? What do bullies do when they need to strike back and get rid of all of that anger? Well, they become terrorists on the Internet. Listen to Kathleen Parker, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist from the Washington Post, who is now a member of the Face the Nation team. Listen to what she says. Someone made an interesting point to me recently in talking about uh, how, you know, some of this really nasty rhetoric that shows up uh, on the Internet. Yeah. uh, Where you don't know who said it. Uh, There really is no accountability. Uh, The Internet being the only place, the only vehicle to deliver news that has no editor. You don't know where this stuff comes from, whether it's true or false. And this person said to me, you know, we've always had... opinion that comes uh, from various places like during uh, Lincoln's day every newspaper had an editorial point of view but this person said the difference was in those days you knew which paper it was coming from now you don't know where some of this is coming from and and that is the added factor that's the the volatility of this stuff and yeah it's interesting people will say anything when they have the 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 cloak of anonymity it's sort of like terrorism you know we don't know where to aim our no listen it gets better it's getting better it's the it's just like the cloak of terrorism listen anonymity it's sort of like terrorism you know we don't know where to aim our bombs we We don't know where to aim our bombs or these internet terrorists yeah can't go after a country because there are you know there's no one place to focus on it and it's the same thing with uh it's the same thing with the internet you can't really you don't know who to go after and you and i i'm sure you share some of the bullying the wonderful experiences i've had bullying of of being attacked and threatened and whatnot and bullied and it's uh, it sort of it, it feeds on itself, you know, builds, and, and people who are not uh, well grounded and who may have these uh, these more violent tendencies. Yeah, the terrorists on the internet suddenly find a place where they can convene and find validation and even find company. And I- convene? Oh, we're coming together. You're on a damn on a message board, biatch. I don't know where that all leads, but it's uh, it's kind of scary. Where do you? Oh, it's kind of scary. Scary. It's so scary. What's scary, John, is we have missed our mark. We got to talk about some support here. Can I I just say, this particular episode of No Agenda 
has flown has been flowing very nicely. Our clips are complimentary. It's like we had you a actually meeting. Have clips. It's like we had a meeting almost. <laughs> it is, and I, and I can assure any listener out there, we didn't. We, have do, a meeting. we don't. Fact, didn't. We did business. not have a meeting. Let me just. Thank you. Right know, we do a lot of one-upsmanship on the show. The show is actually a free-form conversation between two people, which makes it a little unique. And uh, we don't plan. I mean, we. But the thing is, it's at some point, and I think listeners get to this point too, where you can just you see this stuff, this stuff coming down Broadway. I mean, it's uh, the obvious story of the week. There's uh, the obvious uh, real news, which we'll get to after we uh, thank some people for. Uh, for giving us some uh, some uh, help with their contributions. Yeah, and, uh, and and so what we don't do is we don't take advertisements because we can't. A because we would have had to interrupt the flow that we just had for the past uh hour and 10 minutes. We'd have had to interrupt it six times. Well, we'll be right back. I know you're really into the story. I know you're having a lot of fun listening to that Rachel Maddow clip about bullying, but we'll be right back. Well, don't hey, stand tuned, everybody. In the morning, we'll be right back. So we hate doing that, and of course, we couldn't talk about half the stuff we talk about. Yeah, and and the other thing is, it's an overhead issue. Uh, you, it takes you know. People who do it's advertising overhead. and do these—it's a pain of, in the ass to track it all. You have to. Well, besides that, you have to hire people. You have to have salespeople. You, I mean, to do advertising right. I mean, to do it slipshod. Yeah, we could probably get some advertisers that once in a while because we meet them someplace. But to do it right, you need a, a full-time staff of salespeople, and it would just—and it would ruin the show. It would ruin our attitudes. We'd rather spend time working on the stories than managing some sales geek. And it's just that. Hey, what's your pipeline like? <laughs> oh no! Where's your sales report for this week? I mean, I mean, you got any no TPS good. reports and, for me? And we we also believe that people who enjoy the show or get something out of it or use it for their commute entertainment hour, uh, they are supporting the show directly. We're getting direct support from people. We're showing that it's a new business model. I actually may take this model over to the DH Unplugged. Uh, and what are you talking I, about? I think we're going to ask for money for, I think, for Horowitz's show. You, 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 you whore. You, you ignorant ones, you're slut. One, you're the one who told me that this, and I believe, I didn't, I thought you were. Well, hold on a second, but I, I do the daily source code to contribute to the stream. Now you're going to enrich Horowitz? Well, let me think about, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> enrich is a big word, by the way. Yeah, enrich. <laughs> Rich, it's like you know you could like it's like it's like what's he got in his wallet as we speak. So, uh, <laughs> but, but the point is, you made the point that the uh, that this model is probably the model of the future for this type of broadcasting. Yes, it is. It, it's direct support. If you don't like the show, you don't have to give us any money. A lot of people like the show and they don't give us any money. We assume that's always going to be in the mix. But if you don't, but if we if everything if support completely dried up. Uh, which it hasn't, but if it did, it, it, that would be an indication that we're, you know, that we're, we're, doing, we're, no, we're doing the wrong we thing. We that we suck. The air. Yeah. And we would. Yeah. Because course. we'd have to go get a job. <laughs> so, I mean, so that's the reason for direct support. Anyway, uh, Tom Derry, uh, Officer Tom Derry, uh, from, uh, who was apparently a policeman, gave us 182 bucks with the, uh, with a, some calculation, which I'm not absolutely sure means anything. But he says, as a cop patrolling at night, your show helps me to keep awake. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm very happy about that. 
Yes. Excellent. We, we need more police listening to this show. Mark, uh, okay, here we go. A guy in Antwerp. <laughs> now, you, you can know this guy because you, you pronounce his name the same way as a famous Dutch soccer hero. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Does that give you a clue? Come on, you know this guy. He was in the 70s. He was huge. Krujef. Kruif. Krauf. Or you Mark might you, you might say in in Dutch or in in American in American you'd say Cruyff. But Cruyff. um uh, but Krauf. Johan Krauf was a famous Krauf was a famous gave it 69 player. bucks. He, he's got enough attention. Okay. He says you had another Dutch name you can't pronounce, John. So he then he put something in in Dutch which obviously what does he say there? Blijf jullie hoofd boven het maaiveld uitsteken. Okay. But so this is a famous Dutch uh, proverb, which uh, goes something like this. Um, the blades of grass that grow above the rest always get cut off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Japanese think this too. So he's saying, keep sticking your head up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurt. Yeah, but that's a I mean, that, that, that's the problem with this with the Nordic and Scandinavian countries. They all have this this notion. Then they have nothing but trouble marketing things because of that. They won't. Oh, I don't want to do an advertisement because my God, I think it'll you know we'll get my head cut off because I'm now a bladed grass. I think it's a I think it's a part of the Calvinist thing. I don't know what it's part of, but it's been it's very very secure as a uh, as a cultural icon within that communities up in that area. Carlos Sanchez, Chicago, Illinois, sixty six sixty six. Go ahead, John. Okay, uh, Carlos Sanchez wants to wish a happy birthday to his son, his son's first birthday, and yesterday was my wife's thirty second. Keep up, a good, up the good work. He says he's, yes, he's no longer a douchebag because he's been listening to the show forever. There yeah, you so go. His wife, his wife, Anita, and son, Kai. It's your birthday, yeah. We actually had a lot of birthdays today. Roland uh, Boulder. Is that pronounced right? Boulder? Builder. Builder. Builder? B-U-L-D-E-R's Builder? Builder. Bull. Bull. Builder. $62. Uh, Eric Newworth. Fresno, two nickels on the dime. He wants to promote his healthcare podcast. Uh, he does a deconstruction. It's uh, infectedshow.com. Check it out at, uh, when you get a chance. Infectedshow.com. I haven't looked at it. Kyle Kubas, Swanton, uh, Vermont. He's donating on his behalf of his brother Casey for his birthday. Oh, sorry. It's And Kyle calls himself a douchebag. Uh, and now uh, Mac Davidson, Brown Island, British Columbia, uh, two nickels on the dime, fifty-five ten on his birthday Saturday. He was listening to the show in his headphones, and he cut himself. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. <laughs> I don't know why Jeffrey Wolf? He has uh, surgery. Mark- this is not funny. He had he, had, no, he has that surgery. Yeah, he cut himself while listening to the show, which I think was. Well, then he gave us the fifty-five ten. So his gone. hand was spurting blood, but he did not stop listening to the show. <laughs> well, there you have it. I think that's it in a nutshell. Jeffrey Wolf, Marquette, wait, Marquette, Michigan. Uh, David Burneff, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, one of the finest states in the country. I always have to mention that. 
Let's see. We also have uh, David Hollis, Morewell, Australia, with a very long message. You can. Uh, well, yeah, it. he would. Uh, this is a part. Of, we got a lot of four twenty uh, donations. Actually, four dollars and twenty cents. No one. No one. I expected at least one person to do four hundred and twenty dollars, which of course is the code for marijuana. Right. Uh, so a lot of people did uh, four twenty, and a lot of people said uh, happy four twenty. And he says, uh, the world would be a better place if people smoked pot and listened to no agenda. Yeah, that, that, that's what I want on my uh, tombstone. And, you know, he has also set up a proxy uh, at noagendapodcast.appspot.com. Ooh, cool. I did no that. Agenda Podcast. We'll, we'll put these two proxy servers in the, uh, in the no show agenda. Notes. Let me do that right show now. Notes. Okay. And we appreciate people doing that, by the way. Uh, Jason Fenwick, Arlington, Virginia. Uh, keep, keep up the good work, he says. Ricky Pierce, uh, Sydney, New South Wales. R- uh, Rodney Lewis, Chelmsford, Essex. And then we have a bunch of, those are $50 each. And then uh, some knighthood layaways are still here. John Kelly and Edgecombe, John Edgecombe. And uh, uh, let's see, Brian Curry and Jeffrey Glennon. And that wraps up. Uh, that was a pretty good group of people. Yeah, actually. So let's, now we do, uh, I do have a couple of notes here that I have to read. Or yeah, uh, like for our uh, uh, our executive producers, right? Well, uh, you know. Yes, yeah, we that. do. It, yes, we do. Yes, yeah, we, we do. do. Got that. But let me get these other ones out of the way. Um, David Koss uh, has a is playing some pinball number three court game or something. I don't know what the Anaboom Sesame Street contest. Now hold is. on a second. This is important. I have it here. Uh, David Koss. He donated $200, says, please ask everyone to vote for my pinball number count 3D animation, which is in a Sesame Street contest. It's actually pretty cool. I looked at it. It uh, teaches kids how to count. If I win the cash prize, I will immediately finish off my knighthood and the feature will be played on Sesame Street, which, of course, I do hope you put a little secret in the morning in that somewhere. I didn't catch it, but that would have been really cool if that could be on Sesame Street. Uh, you can go to pinballnumbercount.com, pinballnumbercount.com. And David, maybe you can, uh, when they, when they ask you for the, when you win, which you undoubtedly will now, um, when you give them the high res file, maybe you can slip in a little, you know, noagendashow.com or an in the morning or something into the animation and get that into kids' heads. <laughs> 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 That's what we're trying to do. Uh Um, And then we have the one other message, which you have, I think. Yeah, I got a couple messages. Oh, actually, we have... Oh, my gosh. It's unbelievable today. It's your birthday, birthday. So we have a couple of associate executive producers and Simon uh, Oxtaby... Am I doing this right? In the right place? Yeah. Uh, he donated $240, and he wants to say happy birthday to his father, who also listens to the show. Dale. Happy birthday, Dale. Yeah, Dale. I don't want to say anything disparaging, but uh, did, uh, April 21st is Hitler's birthday. I don't know if that means anything to anyone. Well, that was yesterday. And that's also Carmen Electra's birthday. Does that yeah, ring like yeah, a that, that tells uh-huh. you something. Okay, then we have uh, okay Margaret George, George Dame Margaret. Uh, thanks for the relevant current info. I'm okay with the guys. And we already talked about uh, her donation being the executive producer, and then the uh, other associate executive producers, ESC Inc., uh, along with Simon Oxtaby and Edward B. Edward. 
Edward, I'll just say, Beerthausen. And then we have a Black Knight today. Yes. Which uh, is a pretty... Uh, Black Knight, of course, is a knight that uh, snuck up on us. And uh, actually, we have uh, Eric the Shill is going to reach out to a lot of people because we think we have more Black Knights. And uh, and he's trying to administer all this stuff. So I, he's going to be figuring out if we've missed other people. Uh, so, John, why don't we uh, unsheath here for a moment? Do you have your sword? Yeah, there it is. There it is. Okay. Scott Rodriguez, kneel before us as we now pronounce you Sir Scott Rodriguez, Knight of the Noah Gender Roundtable. Please join the table and enjoy the hookers and blow. And welcome to the knighthood, my friend. And as the last uh, thing, I want to mention Robert Campbell is still trying to sell his timeshare. And you can go to onthecircle.squarespace.com. You might, if you're interested in moving to Orlando. <sighs> yeah, two, two I have weeks two, out of the year. I have actually two more. Uh, Andy Prowse from Ontario donated $66. Just wanted to say when the Polish president's plane went down, my wife called bullshit on that. She actually said they took him out. For that alone, you got a one-time 6666, the double the magic number. And he's signing up for the $5 a month uh, plan, which we really appreciate. This is uh, what in in some date in the future will sustain us. And then the Karma Club got an amazing one in from uh, Sylvain, Sylvain, I think, uh, Sylvain. Uh, First he said, uh, just did my second of my three donations uh, 3333. I know it's not much, but it's what I can do right now. Yesterday, I went to a restaurant uh, with my young boy. On the receipt, it was stated we were sitting at number table number six. The receipt number was 166666. Though I thought I should give my second donation, make it 6666. Who knows? That number six thing may bring me luck. Uh, the reason why I'm doing this, my girlfriend and I are the second couple to place an offer on our house. We'll probably know tonight if the first offer is dropped and we get the house. And lo and behold, after his second donation, we did it. They got the house. It's not a hilltop crackpot command center, but a nice 1872 story brick house by the river. And the first, uh, the first people dropped out after, uh, he made his I wish. Think we need to collect these stories. We need a website, No Agenda Karma. And uh, someone else can... needs to be doing that, though. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Somebody will be glad to do it. And yeah. uh, no agenda karma or something like that. And they would, and it would be like an open posting, like a drop IO or something like that. People would just put in these stories. An excellent idea. All right. Now, <sighs> there are a few notes we missed, but we'll get to you next no, week. No, I, th- I think we did pretty good. And we spent a lot of the show on the. Yeah, we, <laughs> we had that's this. Do the third show just be kind. <laughs> yeah, this, the special, uh, the Deuce Club show will just be thanking everybody we missed. <laughs> so talking about, let's see what else we what we didn't miss here on the clips. Uh, so we're done with uh, talking about uh, uh, some of this corruption. Let's see what else we got. By the way, there's another, like I said, I was want to look into the future a little bit. I have, uh, I have one that's, uh, just, it's just a pure informational post. Uh, it's the Burma post. Just play this and you'll, this will be something that we'll be dealing with in the future. California. For what purpose does the gentleman from California rise? I ask permission to address the house for five minutes and revise and extend my remarks. Without objection. 
Uh, thank you very much. Mr. Speaker, I rise to draw attention to the ongoing plight of the people of Burma, now referred to as Miramar. Shortly after the Second World War, Burma was granted its independence from Great Britain uh, with democratic institutions in place, rich natural resources, and an educated population. It was expected that Burma would become a wealthy, stable, and free country. Sadly, that country, with so much potential, has been dominated by corrupt tyrants, and despite its vast natural wealth, its people suffer in abject poverty. Even worse, the people of Burma are actually losing their country to a foreign power. A Chinese power grab is not only depleting and stealing Burma's natural resources. But slowly and surely, Burma is being turned into a subservient province of Beijing. China. You know what we need there in Burma? We need another good earthquake. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Yeah. Right, that way They're too. Well, vast you know, the natural China. resources. Heroin. Heroin. Opium. You got a lot of resources in Burma. And anyway, Burma's being taken over and nobody cares. So, you know, the Chinese are all over the place. They get, because they, they're building, building, building. They're going crazy over. There. That's why I tell people just to take a quick trip to Shanghai and then open your eyes. I mean, you got to see it to believe it. You have no idea. I mean, it's, it's beyond, it's like going, to, it's like going to Mars when you go to China for the first time. <laughs> hey, John, we got to talk about the salt thing, man. You've been following this? Yeah, they're trying to regulate salt. Well, we 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 talked about this uh, weeks ago. You yeah. know, what? I should probably do the jingle. We told you so on no agenda. Uh, that this was happening in New York restaurants, and now the FDA uh, received a recommendation from the IOM, which is uh, looks like a pretty legit organization. Although I haven't really gotten into the. Uh, uh, into the nuts and bolts of it. It's the, uh, what do you call it? What, what is this? Uh, Institute of Medicine? Which is I've never no- heard of it before now. Um, they've been around for a really long time. Um, I, as I said, I, I did look into the Institute of Medicine. And, uh, you know, I haven't really, you know, this is one of these websites. They list their board members, but they don't really have bios. And I just didn't have the time, frankly, to figure it out. So I'm sure there's all kinds of, pharma connections on it or something um so the iom um they come out and they say you know what uh people are too stupid you're too stupid to regulate your salt intake so we're gonna make some rules about it and the two places where they say salt is used in abundance is in processed foods which i would have to say arguably is true and in restaurants, which I would have to say is probably not true. Well, it depends on the restaurant. Well, of course it does. McDonald's as a restaurant, yes, it's true. But if you count, you know, Florida Lee in San Francisco as it's a not restaurant, true. right? It's not true. So here's the first thing that I that I question. Um, salt, of course, is blamed for many health issues. Has this all been proven? Is this all? Uh, is the science in on this stuff? Are we absolutely sure about uh, about all of this? Well, I have a, one of my doctor friends is a salt nut, and he thinks that salt is the evilest thing ever invented, and it's killing everyone. Uh, other people are questioning whether this is you know accurate or not. I don't know. I don't think that science is in. 
But obviously, there's enough of this. You don't have to have the science to be totally in anymore. You just say it is. Yeah, you just say it's in. And then, and then again, this this thing pops up about uh, PepsiCo. <laughs> this thing, this thing really kills me. They have uh, modified the shape of the sodium chloride crystals. Oh yeah, right. I mean, well, this this, is, uh, this sounds like a bogus thing here. This is well, actually this is funny because this was a story I wanted to talk about about um, probably almost a month ago because they came up with this. Uh, there's like a big thing going on now about uh, which I think, by the way, may be behind a lot of this because if you're the one making the product with the special salt, uh, you can you know slam the competition. But the potato chip makers uh, worked on. I think Frito or one of them worked that's on Lay's, which is owned by PepsiCo. Okay, so that's where this this comes. So what they've done is instead of use, they did a bunch of studies. First of all, that when you have a potato chip, it's not only the saltiness of the chip that makes you want to eat more of them because you know you just <laughs> you're going, that, ah, boy, also there's, more. This, there's apparently a, a tongue feel for the salt crystal itself so you know so because they, they powdered salt to a fine dust and then they could get the same saltiness because most of the salt you swallow in the crystalline form you're not really tasting it so you're just swallowing chunks of salt that that aren't adding to the salt pleasure so if they powdered it you could get less salt on there this is crazy but this is the way it goes. You get less salt on the chip. Total, your total sodium intake could be cut by half, but the chips would still maintain the saltiness that you want for the chips. But apparently, the cult- culturally, that bite, that little crunch, which and, and cooks and chefs who make salads and you, you're a good home cook and you use Florida salt and some of these crisp, these big chunks of salt. You put these Florida sea salt, salt, sea salt, sea salt. It's, you know, you crunch it. What is your bite? And you're eating the salad. Got crunch, crunch, and it adds a certain kind of pleasure you can't fully define. So anyway, so they, so I think what they're trying to do is develop sort of a hollow salt crystal that still has a crunch, but there's no salt there, uh, as a process to make, you know, to get your sodium intake down. So, uh, you know, chip, I'm just waiting chip. for, where is the uh, aspartame version of salt? That's gotta be on the horizon. There's no doubt about it. Well, so far, that, no one has done it, right? That's, I don't think it's doable. I think that's why. I think that all you can do is f- screw around with the salt crystal, uh, and with some of these processes and may, and, you know, get it so a, a, a actual salt crystal has half as much sodium because it's half air or it's, it's bubbled or it's foamed up somehow. I don't know. All I know is that this is like, uh, this all part of the processed food industry. I think if it wasn't for these guys, uh, the potato chip makers mainly salting the crap out of their stuff. Uh, I think this wouldn't even be an issue. But shouldn't I think we it's be, the mountain out of a molehill? Shouldn't we be educating people more about you know food in general and uh, instead oh, of and, no. You know, no shut up slave we're gonna change your salt crystals. There's been a lot of stories I noticed though that Jamie Oliver has been over here because oh, he, I yeah. guess he finally got they were got tired of him in England. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so he's come over here to fix our school lunch program. Well, Christina, just, Christina said, uh, of course she lives in London. She said that uh, that that Jamie Oliver crap, in her perception, is working. I, I think it is to some extent, but I think there's a lot of stuff that's working i mean i think i think that the gordon ramsay shows where he's showing people what you should expect from a restaurant i think educates the public 
Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, you that's can true. Look, that's true. I think it does. I think people are more aware of what's good and what's bad and how a restaurant should be, you know, what should be on the menu and what you should avoid, where you should avoid eating. And I think Jamie Oliver is also doing a public service with this. But it's, you know, it's still entertainment. And there was a story that came up recently. I can't remember what it was, but it had some, I was watching it and I said, this is just a promotion for the, all. you know, it was a news story, but it was like about school lunches or something. I think this is a promotion for this, this TV show. Yeah, um, of course it is. You know what's Everything. also working? <coughs> what's also working extremely well, John, is the uh, Avatar the movie mind control that, of course, was slipped into your 3D glasses uh, when you were watching it. Uh, it's so working go- doing what? Oh, it's mind controlling you about uh, global warming, about uh, the oceans acidifying, this all being uh, because of carbon emissions, and that we need cap and trade. In fact, this morning on CNN AM, uh, see, they, 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 they knew that we had uh, in the morning. trademark, so they couldn't do CNN in the morning. They had to do CNN AM. Sigourney Weaver is in Washington today, and oh. she will be helping to push through the cap and trade bill in its new oh, name. She, oh, she's, I didn't know she was an environmental expert. Oh. John, I thought she oh, was an oh, actress. Oh no, John! Wait until you hear how much she knows. She, oh, John! Oh my God! The science is in. Science. Eastern. She was just in the highest grossing movie of all time. Try to preserve preserve the moon, Pandora. Now, actress Sigourney Weaver is trying to help save planet Earth. Yay! When acidity gets too high, shells dissolve. Today we're in a really remarkable history of the ocean. So this is ago- this is um, a documentary which she worked on. In other words, she did the voiceover. She's the Rachel Maddow of this uh, documentary. It was inexhaustible. And by the way, happy Earth Day, John. That's what this is all about. This is all so coincidental. It's Earth Day, and we have the cap and trade discussions going on in Washington. And there's more coincidences that you will just not believe. You couldn't touch it. You couldn't harm it. In a hundred years, it might be dead. Tell us, uh, first of all, for folks at home who might not have heard of this, this is called the other CO2 problem. What is ocean acidification? Oh, John, it's the other CO2 problem. Oh! (laughs) Oh, you're going to love it. Hold on. Right. Well, you know, America loves its oceans. We we love our ocean sports and fish and sea life, and a large part of our economy comes from oceans. And one of the things that scientists have realized as we've increasingly used... Um, I thought a large part of our economy came from making uh, war stuff. I guess it's from oceans, huh? We should bomb the ocean. Uh, fossil fuels is that the impact on the oceans, which we didn't know about, is that... Uh, the carbon dioxide mixing with seawater forms carbonic acid. So the ocean is 30% more acidic than it was at the start of the Industrial Revolution. And Oh, really? Where's the data? See, she's a scientist now, John. Hold on, it gets better. Unless we curb carbon emissions, which this um, Congress, you know, is enacting mm-hmm. a bill, hopefully, to, to curb 
carbon emissions. If we don't do that, within another 50 years, some of our most precious sea life, uh, you know, the whole chain of life that makes shells, uh, will be <laughs> unable to make those shells. It'll be... We can't make shells! <laughs> we can't make shells! We can't, the sea life can't make shells! This is bad! I can't collect shells on the beach. 30% even more acidic hey, than it by is. By the way, stop. Yeah. The kind of acidity it would take to dissolve a shell like a clam shell. If you step foot in the ocean, your foot would just dissolve. I mean, oh. give me a break. John, John, she has empirical proof of not just clam shells. Oh, no. Much more elitist than that. No. In the clip we saw, and this is from the uh, documentary that you narrated called uh, Acid Test, we, we saw shells dissolving in ocean conditions expected 20, 90 years from now, about 90 mm -hmm. years' time. The shells are dissolving, John. It's in well, the documentary. Oh, it must be true. If the current level of CO2 emission uh, goes on, but what are the what are the implications for sea life and and for people who rely on the oceans for their livelihoods, for food sources, and you know too the the oceans are a real measure of health of the planet. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, um, um, okay. Okay. So. Who relies on the livelihood of the oceans? Well, let's listen to this. I mean, for all those reasons, uh, scientists and, and citizens are very concerned. We're already seeing the impact. We don't need to wait 90 years. For instance, the wild oysters off the coast of the, of the northwest of America haven't been able to reproduce in the wild for the last five years. And John, the wild oysters can't reproduce. Huh, That's up near that you. Uh, I thought yeah. you guys ate oysters all the time. I do, actually. You're, de you're depleting the supply. They can't reproduce. Scientists are pretty sure it's because... They're pretty sure. They're pretty sure. They're pretty sure. Because of the uh, carbonic acid, the acidification of that mm. area. They're already seeing that plankton in Antarctica, um, is their shells are 30% less strong. Now listen, now, now, she's, now she's really going way outside. What's she, what's she got to do with plankton? <laughs> it's, plankton is important. But she makes it sound like it's a shellfish. Yeah, but this is great because now she's going really. So she she did the voiceover for this documentary, and you know she read the script and many times as she was reading it, and you know, she remembers this stuff, right? She's repeating stuff from the documentary, but now she's starting to go a little wild. You can hear her stumbling all over the place. And when these creatures can't make their shells, they're they're putting all their energy into making shells instead of reproducing. So it will have a huge impact on the whole chain of the whole food chain and certainly it will have a huge impact on all the economies uh, that, that depend on the ocean for fisheries and uh, tourism and everything else and certainly for our whole heritage as Americans we really you know we come from seafaring stock a yeah. lot of people and, and what? we come from seafaring stock a lot of people <laughs> and we really depend upon the oceans for quality of life. I'm a cowboy, man. I don't. I don't know nothing about no ocean. So let me get this straight. So the so the poor oysters can't uh, make a shell thick enough. Yeah, no, they, uh, they can't so make shells. So and and this is like I guess when people are you know they have bone they make their, they put their energy in the bone making they can't have sex. Uh, you know, <laughs> they're too, this, I, they're I, too I, busy building the house. <laughs> I know where, where this, this logic comes from. It comes from the fact that occasionally, uh, if you grow fruit trees, occasionally they, the, it'll, it'll, the, the tree will decide to put out more foliage than fruit or because there wasn't enough pollination, or sometimes it'll do more fruit one year when it didn't do a very good job the year before, and you get this kind of cycle with plants. Uh, I'm not seeing how the, how the oyster can decide to make more, put its energy uh, into making shell 
more shell so it won't so it can't reproduce at all it's just baffling well john because you're not a scientist the science is in and remember the coincidence that it is earth day sigourney weaver is in washington testifying uh, on behalf of the bill that this congress really wants to push through which will which is the new version of cap and trade they're not calling it they're calling it the sigourney weaver bill i think i'll tell you the mistake that they made here they should have brought her up to her 20 years ago when she was kind of cute. Because then, you know, these Congress guys will go for any hottie that's... All right, that's, stand, stand by. We come from seafaring stock, a yeah. lot of people, and, and we really depend upon the oceans for quality of life. Right. You know, we, we, should, we should mention, too, Sigourney, that uh, the, the film Avatar, which had a very heavy environmental message, is coming out on, mm. on DVD today. Ah! <laughs> Coincidence? I, I think not! <laughs> Did Cameron get funded by the government for this? I mean, oh, this is well, amazing. He was involved in uh, that. Uh, uh, some, what? He, well, you know, there was some shady dealings with the guy who found the Titanic yeah. and uh, became friends with Cameron. The t- Titanic guy was working for the CIA under, you know. Well, hold on. Uh, this just gets better. It's, like, it's another minute. It just gets better. There were All some right. people who were critical of it, thinking that it was too much of an environmental lecture. And, and at the same time, as we talk about all of this on, on this Earth Day, it's interesting to note that more and more people are becoming skeptical of this whole idea of global warming and its effects. Do you have any idea why that's happening? You know, I think it's probably fear and denial. Science is in. Science. Oh, I'm so scared. I don't want to believe it's true. Um, I, I, what I found traveling around the world for Avatar is that. Um, everyone around the world is actually aware that our Earth is changing and that we do need to enact legislation to curb the emission of, uh, you know, the use of fossil fuels. And it's time really to encourage our Congress to put aside their differences and enact legislation to create a strong green energy economy. Um, you know, if, if uh, the science to me is, is very sure. And um, uh, if there's only, Give her you know, a fuck. 50% what? No way, she's almost done. chance that all these things were, will come true. I think we need to act. We, oh, wait, wait. <laughs> okay, the science is in, but there's a, listen to this. We and even if there's only, you know, a 50% chance that all these things were, will come true, I think we need to act now. Make because up your mind, lady. A 50% chance. Oh, okay. How does, that, the me- how does that jive with the sciences in? Yeah, it doesn't. Instruments they've done in the oceans, mm-hmm. which have seemed for years to be endlessly forgiving of whatever we do to them. It's having a huge impact on the ocean, and we're going to see it increasingly, and it's going to have an even bigger All impact right. on our no, estuaries on, where the freshwater meets the seawater. The acidification will have an even stronger impact there on, on, on those fisheries <laughs> and those economies. So, you know, you can sit around arguing a little bit about whether all this is true, but frankly, you know, I've been reading the science for quite a while now, and I'm completely convinced. <laughs> the science is in! <laughs> She's you know, been reading the, the science. Fact, you know, the, the, the thing that you're overlooking here is the fact that she would say even if it's only a 50% chance shows that that doubt has crept into her mind. Yeah, of course it has. That's so why the I played denialists it for you. have actually made enough headway to get people even like her who's obviously, you know, kind of a I don't know, an idiot. Uh 
question some of this stuff enough so that she would say something like that. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's get, you know, we, we, we got to get the show over with. And let me, I think I got a couple of items I want to get out of the way. One, because I know it's going to drive you crazy. Oh, please tell me you have another Rachel Mano clip. I do, but I'm not going to play that one. Okay. Uh, I want to, first of all, I want to do real news. Oh, oh. And get all the real news out of the way at once. And now, back to real news. Uh, the real news is, I, you know, we listen to these, these teasers that carry the, you know, all these shows, these entertainment shows. And we did, we've never tr- given a tribute out to the, the first entertainment news show and still the be- biggest, E.T., which does not have the greatest teasers, but their teaser does tell you the entire show in one long tease. And let's just play that and it will be done with this type of real news. Sean King's lover, the exclusive tell-all. This is Entertainment Tonight. Did you have an affair with Larry King's wife? Yes, I did. Did Larry King's wife cheat with this man? We kind of locked eyes. Let's just start kissing. The baseball coach on the record. Did Sean ever talk to you about divorcing Larry? All the time. Don't worry, he's gonna he's gonna die soon. The scathing expose on a Hollywood marriage in his only TV interview. Did you have sex in Larry King's house? <laughs> Did you have sex in Larry King's bed? <laughs> and Tony. Kate Goslin in tears. I'm sorry, I'm crying. I'm a crybaby. Her backstage confessions you didn't get to see. I had a lot of real, real fears. You turned it into a nightmare. Does she regret going on dancing? And could she become TV's next bachelorette? The latest news. Are Sandra and Jesse talking in secret to save their marriage? Plus, Heather Locklear arrested for a hit and run. Then, tonight on the tube, a then pregnant star gives birth in prime time. And all new Robin Hood exclusive, Russell Crowe, Kate Blanchett. I found it breathtaking. We were first on the set. Now, our epic new behind the scenes. It's a gigantic story. Now, the most watched entertainment news magazine in the world. <laughs> I think we should start the show off with this, John. Every, every single uh, show we should start. Wait a minute. Here's, here's kind of how I envision it. The idea is something like this. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. Sean King's lover, the exclusive tell-all. This is Entertainment Tonight. Yeah, I don't necessarily believe that's true. All of a sudden, it's be fantastic. And all the evidence is gone. Pete, with this man, we kind of locked eyes. <laughs> kind of locked eyes, and we started kissing. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, Robin Hood movie's coming out. They're promoting it a lot. I have a re- quick review. Gladiator in the Woods. They kind of leave that out. <laughs> By the way, lots of puns you can do with that. Yeah, there's uh, more than a All right, oh, can we get okay, out of so this? Now, can we get out okay, of real news? Can we get out of I it? Got the, yeah, that's the end of it. I want to do. I don't want to talk about Larry King's wife. No, no, neither do I. It's, it's disgusting. Now, here's the deal. The the big story, the big real news story, semi real news, actually not 
nothing to see here uh, moment is the South Park episode. Oh yes, oh where yes. they displayed they they, they you know, apparently they did this before and they never had a problem. But now it's a big everyone's up in arms about the fact that some Muslims have threatened the South Park people, and uh, because they they de- depicted uh, Muhammad as a teddy bear or dressed in a teddy bear costume, which a lot of people noticed. If you really wanted to get the subtext, was actually the pedo bear. Uh, the, pe- <laughs> the pedo, the pedo bear. bear. It was. It was the pedo bear. Yeah, it was. Totally okay, so they had. So that was a big stink. So, and this is gonna. This one is gonna drive you crazy. Now you've worked on network and you've been in network situations. I, even a small network like MSNBC. We're gonna talk about the Joy Behar show here. <sighs> you have an IFB in your ear, right? Yep. Usually somebody's in the control room telling you what to do. You have a producer, you have directors, you have writers. They're all in the control room, many of them, and they're telling you stuff. And, and in this case, she's got three people on the set, and Joy Behar says something that will make you crazy, and nobody on the entire crew set anywhere corrects her or says anything about it. It just goes. SPJB? You got it. That's tricky. You've done this town a huge favor, Muhammad. Hold on a second! Stop! There are some extremists threatening that if we give Muhammad to the celebrities, they're gonna bomb us. Now, okay, the Muslim website says, we quote, we have to warn Matt Stone and Trey Parker, the creators, that what they are doing is stupid and they will probably end up, listen to this, like Theo Van Gogh. For airing this show, Theo Van Gogh, really. Is this a warning or a threat? Theo Van Gogh is the uh, cartoonist in um, Amsterdam, I believe, who was, who was basically assassinated for, for doing a cartoon against Muhammad. I mean, I would take it as a threat because of the fact that Theo is now dead. I understand, you know, how people could be upset over this, but it's... So- uh. Is that unbelievable? And nobody, the three doofuses that were sitting there with her, none of them knew anything. He's a and cartoonist. The, the control room, nobody knew anything. And they, so Theo Van Gogh is now to the to the beholders of this wonderful show. A cartoonist. A cartoonist who was assassinated for depicting Muhammad. Oh, oh my God! You've, okay, I you just, you win. You win this. You I, win I, on this I, show. I know. I, I believe that is the winner. Oh my goodness! Well, you please go to even Wikipedia has it better than this, and look up Teo Van Gogh, who uh, I can say I worked with him, and in his very last few months, we actually had pretty good contact. Um, he came over to the house one day and he said, uh, "What the fuck are you doing in this country? You're an American. Go back to America. It's safe there." <laughs> Oh, my God. And then he went back to drawing a caricature of me. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Well, I watched the South Park episode last night, and it sucked. It totally sucked. It beeped everything. It just sucked. It wasn't funny. It sucked. It sucked. And I'm thinking this is probably more South Park promotion than anything. In fact, I, I, I keep looking. Where's this radical Muslim website? No story links to it. Where is it? I'm looking for the blog I, I post. I, I have actually. Oh, you did? To to, I yeah. couldn't find it. Yeah, I it was buried it. with the hits, and so you had to go to the cache to look at it. It's just lame. <sighs> it's just some doofus that's in somewhere. I forget, back east somewhere, and he's a. He's. They interviewed him on CNN, and the guys. Well, it was about time for that to happen, wasn't it? Man, it's, uh, oh, there you go. For the day. I'm sorry. You, you, hold on a second. I got stuff going on here. Oh, what's happening? Go away. 
phone's ringing. That doesn't happen often on my end. Okay, you know what, John? You have uh, thoroughly freaked me out with that. I, I have I have no rebuttal. I have nothing. And don't forget, we forgot to mention, but when we mentioned all our donors, it was noagendashow.com, noagendashow.com, dvorak.org slash na, and dvorak.org slash nas, and channeldvorak.com slash na for contributions to the show and support. We'd appreciate it. We do it specifically for the listeners, uh, and they support us, and we support them. Yes, indeed. And uh, I think today was a pretty fine example of uh, the type of programming you get from us. Sometimes we suck, and you know what? It shows up in the in the support. <laughs> well, that show sucked. I'm not giving those guys anything. We actually don't suck as much as we could. Yeah, we, we could. When it comes to sucking, we could suck a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to you from the uh, Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center, which is located in the People's Republic of Southern, Southern Salad. Salad, California. <laughs> Salad, California. <laughs> I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley here, where it's sunny again. It was raining a few days ago. might rain again tomorrow, but it's not raining now. I'm John C. Dvorak. We will talk to you again on Sunday for early morning service right here on No Agenda. No Agenda.